the Garden Nerd Tip of the Week podcast, where we spend time chatting with expert gardening guests and we ask for their favorite tip. I'm Christy Wilhelmy. Thanks for joining me. Today's guest is Shirley Bavshaw, the garden lifestyle expert seen regularly on Hallmark's Home and Family Show. Shirley is founder of the LA-based landscape and edible garden design company, Eden Makers, and she produces helpful videos on all things gardening. I'm so glad we were able to nail you down for this interview, Shirley. You're a busy woman. Yeah, well, so are you. It's spring. <laughs> it is it's spring. Every... It's the crazy <laughs> right. times, right? Yeah. I, I like to say that, you, and I'm sure that this holds true for you as an edible garden designer as well, that we're more popular than a plastic surgeon at a cocktail party in Hollywood. I mean, everywhere <laughs> I go, people, uh, what can I do about this plant? Uh, can I grow this? You know, every. Everywhere you turn. So, yeah, it's been a little bit of a demand time. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I I don't remember exactly anymore how we met, but I do remember hanging out with you at the San Francisco Garden Show over a meal with our good friend Billy Goodnick. Uh, That was years ago. And you both shared some great advice with me about landscaping and the landscaping business when I was just getting started. So I want to ask you first about Eden Makers and what it was like at the beginning when you started. Oh. Well, at the beginning, it was it was very funny because I always like to say that that I started my landscape design business by demand. Oh. And what I what I mean by that is that you know when when I started in my career, uh, probably two or three years prior to that, I never even imagined I would ever take the trajectory of beyond that route, you know, as a designer, landscaping, teaching on TV. Uh, what happened was I became obsessed with gardening when my kids were young and they were little, you know, stay at home ch- kids. And I was there with them. And as they slept, uh, luckily I had my mom to help me. She would be there in the house. I go, Mom, can I, I, I'm just going to go outside and see what I can do. And I would get, you know, in the front yard and start moving plants around. I didn't know anything, hadn't read the Sunset Garden book, hadn't gone to school, nothing. And I was just being crazy, Christy. And uh, <laughs> what I noticed after a while, though, is like there was probably a little rhyme to, to the reason or, uh, or the other way around because little by little I noticed that people would stop by my house and say, oh, what plant is that? Or, oh, that's pretty. Or who designed your yard? And, and this was a few years into my gardening obsession. Mm-hmm. And what happened was I was getting so many knocks at my door or people driving by slowly in front of my house as I was changing the landscape design every week uh, they would ask you know who designed and I'd say it's me but you know I'm not a professional I'm I'm a stay-at-home mom right now and you know Christy when the kids decided um, we decided to put the kids in preschool when they were three and four years old I told my husband you know I, I think that that there's a business here. Look at all the people who are always asking me if I'm a landscape designer. I said, I'd like to go back to school. If you don't, if you don't mind, you know, because we always thought I would go back to work, which was in real estate, uh, before you know, before I ever ever knew I wanted to go into landscaping, and so I asked him if he minded. He says, "Well, do you think you can make a business from it?" I said, "Well, I think so." Look at all the people who are asking. So I went back to uh, the community college, the occupational center, and at the time, Christy. Uh, I I think the program's changed since then. This was about 18 years ago. 
it was a two-year program, and you would go Monday through Friday, eight to three. Oh, so wow. you can imagine how intense that was. Yeah. And so I, I went to school, I learned, and as I was there, I started to take on clients, and the demand happened when I would start to landscape somebody's yard, and then the neighbor asked for me, and then soon I was booking a year in advance <gasps> with no advertising and complete neighborhoods in Calabasas and in Hidden Hills and in here and there, and I was like, wow, I guess I must be doing something right. And so that is how I became a landscape designer by demand. I did, I did have the presence of mind to know that I had to go back to school, be certified in, uh, in nursery practices and horticulture and landscape design to be able to you know, produce a viable service for people who are going to actually pay me, you know? Yeah. And so that's, that's how I started. I mean, so it was, it was, it was funny because I, I didn't know if I should be confident in the fact that the business would take off or not, but I just went by the fact that people were always asking me about, you know, if I would landscape their yard. And so that it was the beginning. That was um, 2000. Yeah. In the year 2000. So that is where that started. And I know that uh, later on, but still early in your career, you were on TV as well. You were the garden police, right? Right. That was, uh, I think, five years into my career. Uh, I got the job to uh, co-host the Garden Police show, a landscape makeover show on the Discovery Home Channel with Michael Glassman, a an amazing landscape designer from Northern California. And that has a funny story too, but I don't want to chat your ear off uh, because I like your voice better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I will say that it was a very interesting thing that happened when I landed that job. About a year before that, I noticed in Calabasas that HGTV was doing a makeover show at a neighbor's house. And I was working on a landscape project. And I watched the show and I noticed that the host was not a designer and that they always had a guest designer on the mm -hmm. show. And so I thought, well, and I took down the number and I got the website and I submitted a, a query. I said, you know, if, if you're looking for more design experts, I, I would love to be considered. Here's some photos of my work and here's my contact information. Well, that was an HGTV show called Surprise Gardener with Susie Coelho back in the day. Mm -hmm. And I remember I didn't get a call. You know, I didn't hear, so I just forgot about it. But a year later or so, I get a call. Uh, from Susie Coelho, the host of the show for HGTV. And she says, oh, I'm looking at uh, some pictures here. They're really nice, and it looks like you're local. Um, would you like to come in and audition for a, you know, as a guest? And I said, sure. So I went in. Um, I did okay. So they called me in. And, the, and I went in and did my first HGTV makeover. And I remember that I was having so much fun, and I wasn't scared of the camera, that one of the directors came to me and she said, you know, Shirley, have you done this before? And I said, no, never, but it's a lot of fun. She goes, yeah, you can tell you're really, you're really like natural about this. So I said, ah, that's great. She says, well, you know, I just, I have a feeling you're going to have your own show one day. I said, wow, I love what I'm hearing. <laughs> I said, thank you for the, for the uh, vote of confidence. And so about another I don't know, about another year later, she calls me one day and says, hey, Shirley, uh, I was just at Discovery Channel. They're starting a new program, uh, makeover show, and uh, I asked them if, you know, she says, I'm there to, to myself 
uh, interview for the job of producer, she said, and I, and I asked them who the hosts were, and they said that they were casting, it's three months into the process, and that they're going to be selecting from finalists this Friday in Santa Monica. And she says to me, she goes, Shirley, I begged them to call you because you were not on the list. I said, no way. She said, yeah, yeah, they're probably going to call you. So they did. They called me on Wednesday, said, can you be here on, on Friday? And I said, sure. So I went to Santa Monica, and there were about 30 finalists there, and they were going to select two people. And I did my audition, and I got the job. Just as she said that I would have my own show one day. So that's how I started with my own show. So that was about three seasons and fantastic. And that's just where things started to lead more into the media side um, in my career. But I continued with my landscape design business, you know, in between the different shows that I was on. Yeah, and I, I want to segue into the home and family show. Cause that's where you are now. And I, I know that while we were trying to nail down a time to talk, you were, you were expecting that you'd be out shopping for another segment on that oh show. My gosh, yes. <laughs> so I'm sweaty right now. Right. So, and I, I've been on that show a few times myself and, and, and one time with you in fact, which was a lot of fun, but I know that you have to prepare your own materials for that segment. They don't really oh, yeah. help you out. So can you, for those, who aren't familiar, can you tell us a little bit about Hallmark Home and Family and uh, and the types of advice that you dole out? Sure. Well, you know, it's a really fun show for anyone who's interested in lifestyle, in learning uh, DIY, crafting, cooking, gardening, uh, anything to do with style. It's, it's complete lifestyle, you know, and it's a two-hour TV show. It's nationally broadcast on Hallmark Channel, Monday through Friday. I believe it's 10 to 12 every day. We tape at the, as you've been there, at Universal Studios. There's a house that was built uh, to house the production. So we actually tape in a real house. I have a real yard that I can dig into and uh, teach gardening as well as do small makeovers and stuff like that. So it's it's fantastic. It's hosted with uh, Debbie Matinopoulos and Cameron Matheson. And there's always guests on the show, like chefs from the Food Network. We get hosts and designers from DIY Network and HGTV. Uh, they come in, and uh, we get to participate as, as a, the family expert in my specialty. I do one or two segments per week. And then not only do I do the, the gardening segment, but I'm a family member quote-unquote. So I hang out at the kitchen bar when the guest chef comes and we get to chime in and ask questions about what they're cooking. So it's really been a, a fantastic platform to connect with the national audience and not necessarily gardeners, you know, right. just people who are interested in, in all of these other general lifestyle things. And so it's been a lot of fun to be able to bring to them uh, a gardening 101 type segments, infor informative segments from anywhere from the beginning gardener on how to start seeds uh, when it when you know it's still too cold to go outside in the spring, to making uh, you know small garden containers, to landscape design, mm -hmm. to growing herbs and how to use those herbs therapeutically for beauty products you know for making a serum making tinctures all kinds of things and it's that's been really fun and and really in the last two years of the seven seasons i've been on the show 
I've really been able to develop a lot more content that goes in depth a little bit with the use of plants. So that's been a lot of fun. And the other thing that I really enjoy doing is DIY crafting with plants and or floral cut plant cut flowers. Mm-hmm. So all kinds of fun information every it, it's fun it's funny because every week is 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 totally different i mean from doing fairy gardens to <laughs> last week i repurposed yogurt cups and made hanging succulent terrariums from them and then this week uh, talking about uh, planting uh, dwarf peach trees in containers i mean it's all over the place it is and it's great and i i love the, well, the fact that you, I can't believe it's been seven years that you've been on that I show. Know. It's if you're, like, crazy. Yeah. So, which brings me to my next question, which is purely for selfish reasons. I'm in awe of the fact that you produce videos several times per week on top of doing this show and running your garden business. And you've got a Facebook and a YouTube channel. And I'm like, God, how the heck does she do this? Um, so do you have anyone helping you with this yes. diverse array of content oh, that you produce every day? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, about, let's see, almost three years now, I... Um, got out of my house. I was working out of the house and it was horrible. I mean, I had plants all over the front and backyard. <laughs> Not good, right? Not a good thing. So I found a studio space near a garden center in the valley where, you know, I actually go to that place every day. Mm-hmm. So I've got this beautiful little space. And at that time, I hired an assistant. And since then, I've been able to employ three other people part-time. So I have like four people team, and they all help me with my social media. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things, Christy, that I found is really important is that when you're on on TV and when you're uh, present online, I I notice there's a lot of one-way conversations with fans and and, and, and no one ever answers back. So I made it very, very much a priority from the beginning that I wanted to make sure that everyone who asks a question or makes a comment is responded to. So this equals about, I don't know, 800 to 1,000 comments per day on all the social media. And so I have found that I have hired, and these are people from my family, believe it or not, my stepdaughter, my half-brother, my niece, uh, they're all adults and they're also gardeners. And so they take two-hour shifts in the morning, they rotate two-hour shifts at night. I check in during the daytime, um, you know, to all the social media, the Instagram, the Facebook, YouTube, and we answer 100% of every question that's, that's posted. And so I do have help. Most of my business right now, or certainly in the last seven years, has all been, uh, I would say, 90% media, which means either from working on the TV show or mm-hmm. producing videos like the ones you see on YouTube and or writing, you know, blogs or little articles or public speaking. But the thing that keeps my hands dirty and in and, and, and the soil is the community garden that I manage uh, near my house. It's a nice sized plot and we grow year round. We teach people how to grow food and then we give it away to those in need in, in the valley. 
and my mom, you know, luckily my mom has a has a nonprofit ministry, and we just funnel all the food through there, and we give it away, put in people's hands. So that's most of the work. Now I do get calls for landscape design still. Mm-hmm. I have a, a profile on house.com, which is really active, uh, but unfortunately I'm not able to take all of those uh, projects because, as you mentioned earlier, that segment on the TV show that I do once or twice a week. Each of those segments take at least one or two days to, to plan, to, yeah. plan, to write, to get all the materials, to make a display. Uh, you know what I mean? It, it's like it's it's a lot. Yeah. So I had to make a decision whether I was going to continue to seed into my landscape design business as a primary income or the media. And so it has become the media, although I was just in uh, Pacific Palisades this weekend at a one of my favorite projects that I did about 10 years ago, talking to the, the homeowner who wants a part phase two. I'm, I'm going to accept that project because it's Pacific Palisades. Right. I'm like, okay, well, I can't, I can't go wrong there. There's nothing dies there. Everything lives. <laughs> you know? And I don't need a headache project right now. I'm like, oh, that would be wonderful. Since you've talked about landscaping a bit, I'd love to know what are some of your favorite plants to work with in landscaping? Okay, well, I like to think of the landscape as what it is. It's a it's a living, organic uh, entity. And I'm not a person who who likes to dress up and, you know, be perfect. Mm-hmm. So I like a very informal garden. I love plants that move with the wind that look gorgeous backlit by the sun whether that be an ornamental uh, grass or you know some type of beautiful perennial plant Uh, for me I I don't really have favorites as far as as uh, plants are concerned though I do have some that I really do love I just see landscape design as an opportunity to kind of channel the desires of the homeowner if they knew plants better Mm -hmm. and if they could define the style that they want to have as a backdrop for their lives i kind of have to channel all of that and digest it and then propose a design that's going to please them because it's functional because it's low water and appropriate for the area that's one of the challenges as a as a landscape designer in LA is that sometimes people want me to you know bring cape cod to right Chatsworth. yeah Chatsworth is 110 degrees right exactly it's not going to happen, but, you know, this flower can, can, can look very, you know, beautiful and romantic, even though it's, you know, maybe a succulent, the flowers or something. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a challenge, but it's also a, a really great opportunity to, to serve others. And, you know, I'm getting paid for it, obviously, but I don't know. I think that central to, to what makes me tick is that I love, I like to, to serve others. I, 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 I like to be able to give them something of value that they can't offer themselves. Right. You know, landscaping. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It is a service industry uh, for a reason, right? We're giving people what they want. Yeah. And look at how you go into people's uh, homes and you create a uh, edible garden for them, right? Christy, I mean, how satisfying is that? Because it's something that they may not know how to do. Right. But you you do know how to do it. Yeah. Speaking of veggies, what are some of your favorite veggies to grow? Oh, my goodness. Probably anything that can be juiced. 
Oh. I love root vegetables uh, for juicing and greens, but that's just for my own selfish need, my own selfish <laughs> needs, you know, consumption. Uh, I love beets, and I have a community garden neighbor, David, who's Russian, and he's turned me on. I, I couldn't tell you the, the cultivar name, but all of these delicious beets from Russia, and you'd think that they wouldn't do well because it's a cold climate over there. But I, I can't. All I can tell you is that they grow beautifully. I'd love to do. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm starting jicama. I don't know. Have you ever planted jicama? Before? You know, I have tried to grow jicama, and I'm going to try again. They didn't do well uh, that where I planted them, so I'm going to try them in a different location. And uh, I understand they need a lot of water. So they do. Yeah. They do. But you know, drip irrigation is a right. fantastic remedy for anything that needs water that you don't want to be wasteful because it's very directed right. it goes right to you know what i mean so <clears throat> that's it but i would say that my number one favorite edible plant is chayote <gasps> which is the, like a mexican squash yes have you tried that before yes and i have a friend at my community garden who pawns them off on me every once in a while because they have kind of as a perennial it just keeps going you're right. you know, it's oh it God. takes over if you're not careful yeah, but it's so delicious, Christy. You know, I love, I could eat it raw, chopped in the salad, mm-hmm. or I saute it and I put it in, you know, in, in anything. I mean, I just absolutely love it. It's a fantastic plant. Um, I mean, so, I mean, I have a lot of, a lot of things that I like to grow, but a lot of the times I take uh, suggestions from the community that we give the food to. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them are immigrants, not only from from Latin America, but from Iran mm-hmm. and some of the Middle Eastern countries, even some people from Africa. And so it's been fun uh, sourcing seed so that we can grow some of the herbs that they like to use for cooking that they can't really find. Like so, what? Do you have oh an example? Uh, I have it in a, in a list because I'm still looking for some of them. Uh, oh. There is, let me see, somebody asked for culantro. Oh, yeah. They said it's not cilantro. It's, it's culantro, yes. Yeah. So culantro, there's um, some Mexican herbs that I'm looking for as well. I should have had them on a list for our little interview here. But, yeah, because I'm not even familiar with them. You know? Yeah. Culantro is nice because it's, well, it's called Vietnamese coriander. And it has, it smells like coriander, but it has the uh, kind of jagged salad edge, you know, that's used in pho, as far as I know. I grew it once that's for that. Right. Yeah. Oh, my God. How did it go? Uh, very well. It did bolt to seed kind of quickly, which is not surprising if it's anything like right. cilantro, which, it, you know, it's right. different, but still. Um, right. And and I, I want to go back to chayote for a, sec- for a second here because I find it interesting that chayote only sprouts, the seed only sprouts within the fruit itself. So if you, you want to grow chayote, you have to f- sprout the seed That's in the fruit. Thing. Yeah. Exactly. I know. And at the first few years, I, I would rot it out. <laughs> it didn't work. But yeah. I learned. I learned. Right. Okay, I, I just left one on my counter once, and it um, it started growing a, a stem out of the middle of the fruit. And yeah. I thought, okay, well, let's plant this. So, it's you know. Funny. Yeah. It's almost like you have to treat it almost like you're callousing over a succulent cutting. Mm. And, and, and then when you see that it's kind of a little bit turgid, you can go ahead and put it in the potting soil, even though a lot of times I just put it directly in the soil. But, yeah, it's the same thing. But, but that's been very successful. And so I'm looking forward to, to planting. And, and that's the thing. 
for me too is that I'm learning from the community that I serve uh, about new things. Yeah. And uh, new herbs and new uses for herbs. And I remember my, my like I mentioned, my Russian uh, neighbor, David, at the community garden. I mean, I remember when I started to remove stinging nettle and he comes over, he goes, I want that. Yeah. And of course, I know that it's edible, but I didn't think it was so sexy. <laughs> I mean, he was like, oh, no, don't step on it. Save that for me. I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, so I still I still haven't tasted it or tried, you know, a tincture or anything from it. Uh, how about you? Well, I, so yes, stinging nettles I have used in a couple of ways. One is a, a friend of mine made a stinging nettle soup, and he basically took an onion, a potato, and a bunch of stinging nettles that he had um, harvested near the, um, not Bayona Creek, but he was working uh, along the L.A. River. Mm-hmm. And he got a bunch there, and and he boiled them, and the stinger, the the prickly spiny bits go away when you boil them in hot water. Um, and the second use I've used them for is as, um, an antifungal, uh, against things that attack tomatoes. So we have, yeah. So Barbara, um, Spencer of Windrose Farms was a guest on the podcast before, and she shared a tip about using stinging nettle tea. When you spray it on tomato leaves, the the um, pathogens, the infestation goes away. So that's no a thing. No kidding. Yeah. Is that the, the new neem? I guess so. <laughs> so <laughs> I haven't really tried it out much. Uh, I tried it a little on some existing powdery mildew, but I haven't tried it on my tomatoes yet this year. So I have a jar in the fridge. I'll keep you posted. Isn't that fun? I mean, yeah. well, that's the thing is that we're, we're always learning. You're a teacher. I teach also, but but there's no such thing as an expert, really. True. Uh, you know, uh, when they say, oh, she's the expert, I'm like, okay, listen, I know a little bit more than you do. <laughs> Don't call me an expert. Right. And we <laughs> fail just as much as everyone else, uh, especially because we're experimenting, you know, a lot. So, right, right. Which, which then brings me to tip time. Do you have a favorite tip that you'd like to share with the Garden Nerd audience? Well, one of the, uh, there's two tips. One, one is just a practical one. As okay. a landscape designer, uh, I've designed out of uh, vertical walls, and people just seem to be obsessed with them for some reason. It's like the, the project du jour, uh, and people like to plant succulents vertically and everything. So one of the things that I have had a lot of success with, and I, I always share with people as much as possible, is that succulents that are going to be displayed on a wall as a wall hang, uh, a wall planter, they do not need soil. Mm-hmm. They really do not need the added weight of adding soil. They do extremely well. And, and I have years, I have planters of, of uh, succulents with zero soil, just moss mm-hmm. that is uh, wet once a week. And these plants grow and thrive and look beautiful. And the weight is so much less when you know that you can you know, uh, hang something without soil, hang a succulent in just moss. And so are you, are you using moss in like a, like a thin, uh, container or are you making a form with it or how, what's the structure? Well, you can, you can fill a pot. Mm -hmm. You want to place your succulents in a pot. I just take cuttings. Uh I take, I don't even plant it. I don't need, I I don't need the soil. I just take a bunch of cuttings from a plant and then I fill a pot with moist sphagnum moss Mm -hmm. and I place them in there and they live, they grow, they thrive, they look beautiful. And if I wanted to do something creative and hang something from a wall or display it in a, on a, on, I don't know, just something that 
that's not traditional. I know that I can, if I can get moss to stay in that vessel, I can display that succulent and it will grow and, and to, it will well. And to water it, are you spraying it with a spritzer bottle or are you taking it off the wall and saturating it for depending, once a week? Yeah, depending on the planter. If it's, if, let's just say I've got a planter with succulent cuttings that have rooted already and they're pretty big. Um, what I'll do is I'll just water the moss. Okay. Moss, of course, the planter has drainage. And then other things that I have hanging on the wall, I might just, you know, spray the moss mm-hmm. with some water. But I think a lot of times if, if people uh, take this advice, they, they may err on the side of caution where they don't water the moss enough. Mm-hmm. And it could also dry things out. But, you know, I don't like spraying succulents with water because they don't like to be sprayed with water. You can spray the moss, you know, and I don't like to put uh, succulents in terrariums either because they don't like the humidity. Okay. So so those are, those are just tips of using and displaying and enjoying succulents at home. Awesome. That's a great other, tip. Yeah. What's the, yeah, you have a second tip. Other, just really quick is, is to have fun with seeds. So a lot of times we grow our herbs or we grow like, for instance, mustard. Yes. We harvest those tender, delicious leaves. But it could be a lot of fun to uh, let them go to seed. Let them go to seed through the summer. Let them get crunchy, ugly, and disgusting looking. Mm-hmm. And then harvest them before they start bursting all over the place and make your own mustard which is something that I've taught on the show how to do just a, a couple weeks ago, three or four weeks ago. And that was so much fun because then you can create your own variety of mustard. You can use white wine as your vin- as your acidic, mm-hmm. acidic uh, component. You can use uh, apple cider vinegar. You can use whatever. And you can create your own flavored mustard. And it's the simplest thing on earth. So it's the, fu- the fun part is look at your edible plants in a more comprehensive way. Like not just harvesting the seed to plant again, but can I eat this seed? Mm-hmm. Is there a cuisine uh, that, you know, where they use the seeds as, as part of the spices, make your own spices? Should I toast it? It's just a lot of fun to just kind of uh, open yourself up to the totality of what the plant wants to give you because it's just so much more fun. That's great. Those are great tips, Shirley. Thank you so much for being on the Garden Nerd Podcast. Well, thank you, Christy, and I admire you so much, Christy. Oh, wow, I thanks. I learned a lot from you. <laughs> you're, you're fantastic, and, and everyone who's, who's listening, you guys have tuned in to a fantastic source of information. Oh, and she's you. really nice, and she's cute, too. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you are. Well, you're thanks. Horrible. So how do people find you? Well, you can find me online on my blog, EdenMakers.com. That's like homemaker, but Eden, EdenMakers.com or FoodieGardener.com. And those are the monikers I use. If you're on Instagram, you know, look for me uh, under EdenMakers. The same thing on YouTube. My channel's EdenMakers. Um, so I try to keep it kind of consistent. Got it. 
All right, Garden Nerds, you'll find links to Shirley Bavshaw's Facebook page on GardenNerd.com this week. We'll also post links to the Home and Family Show, her Foodie Gardener blog, and we'll point you to her YouTube channel as well. That's it for this week. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. Visit us for tons of free gardening information at GardenNerd.com. Show your support for this podcast and the other free stuff on Garden Nerd by becoming a Patreon subscriber. You'll find us on Instagram and Twitter under GardenNerd1, on Facebook as GardenNerd.com, and of course, our GardenNerd YouTube channel. Happy gardening!